new to family life this next week, Monday through Friday, we're going to have our week of prayer and fasting. And so always in January, we have week of prayer and fasting. In the summer, we have prayer and feasting, okay? And so this is prayer and fasting. And sometimes people ask me, I've never fasted before. You know, I've never really done that. You know, what are the, what, how do you do that or what do you do? And last week, I did a whole lesson on prayer and fasting. And uh, if you want to go to our website, you can listen to that. But basically, everyone chooses what they want to do. There's no uh, right or wrong way. Some people will, will choose to fast with just water for the week or, or for a few days. Some will do what they call the Daniel fast where they eat fruits and vegetables. But the main thing is, the main thing is that you deny yourself. You deny your flesh. You conquer king's stomach, okay? And, uh, but more than that, you shut down part of your life, you know, maybe you don't do social media, maybe you don't watch TV, don't cook meals, and you spend time with the Lord. I mean, double, triple your time that you spend reading the Bible, praying, and uh, to help you, you know, it's, again, it's not mandatory, uh, man, you know, mandatory is kind of a restrictive term, I don't like that, but we'll have nightly prayer meetings here every, every night, Monday through Friday at 7 p.m., and it's a time where we can come together corporately. I know a lot of times we say that we're going to have quiet time, but in our homes it's tough. If you come up here, we'll have worship music playing, the lights dimmed, and you'll have an hour just to pray, read your Bible, spend time with God, and uh, of course be with your other church members. So I really, I really encourage you to do that. I think it's beneficial uh, to do that, even though it may be tough to, uh, you know, to get here or whatever. But I think it's, I think it's beneficial, and uh, so. Um, anyway, that, that's, that starts tomorrow and goes through uh, next Saturday. And, and I, just, I just believe that when we dedicate, God is big on the first. He's big on the first. And many times we, his people, although he's given his very best to us, his son Jesus, if we were honest, we don't give him the best back. And, uh, I mean, honestly, but we're supposed to give him the first of some of our time, the first of our increase, finances, the, we're supposed to give him the first. So I believe when we give him, dedicate the first full week of the year and really say, God, I want you in my life. I want you to, to lead me, guide me, direct me. I just believe incredible things happen and it flows in the next year. So if you want to do that, I think it's, think it's very, very uh, beneficial. Um, uh, one kind of a... A sad little note before we, we start the message today. It's, it's Vision Day today. Um, some of you know, many of you don't know, but um, Brother Francis Martin, he is the pastor, the founding pastor of Family Life Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, they are the ones that helped plant this church. I was on ministry. I was on staff there for four and a half years. And, um, I mean, just an incredible, an incredible man. And he had, he had a, he's 80 years old. He just had his 80th birthday. And, of course, Todd Menard is the pastor there now, and he's kind of just the pastor emeritus. And uh, he, um, he had a massive stroke on, I believe, Wednesday uh, evening. And um, so the long of the, long of the, the short of the long is that uh, yesterday they sent him home um, with hospice, and they don't expect him to live. Uh, it could, he could die any moment. And um, so this neurosurgeon, the left side of his brain is dead, and they've, uh, bar, barring a miracle, there's less than a 5% chance, um, you know, that he will live. But if you would just keep him in your prayers and their family in your prayers and 
he used to he used to come here at once or twice a year and and um, I don't know after he retired and everything I I asked him if he wanted to come he's like well I don't really need to if you unless you need me you know like he really retired like he was serious like the drive from Lafayette to Houston was a little bit too long for him and uh, but I was I was thinking about that um, it's just I was I was saddened of course but I thought about man he has impacted so many lives. There are thousands, thousands of people that are going to heaven because he served God. And that, you know, of course, this church here, uh, I, I don't, I've never even t- told this before, but when I came here, I, there, we didn't have any people, so the church, I didn't take a salary from this church for three, four, five years. And Brother Francis, uh, he paid my salary so I could come here to start this church. So what my salary was there, he just kept me on their staff and, and allowed me to come and really do all the leg, leg work. And they started many churches, all kind of mission stuff. But it, it made me think, you know. Uh, all of us, the days go by quick. Uh, it, I know I'm rambling, but I'm, having, I'm going down memory lane here, so I'll just go there for a little bit. Um, I was watching, you, you know, that... Uh, the, there's a show out, The Last Man Standing with Tim Allen, and I kind of, I don't know, I kind of enjoy his humor. So I was watching him. He was talking to one of his adult kids, and she, she, his daughter was going through all kind of hardship, and and he's like, she's like, Daddy, and like, she's like 26, 27, Daddy, please tell me life gets easier. He's like, No, it doesn't, but it does go fast. It goes fast. That was his comfort, right? But I was thinking about this, you know. I mean, I really want to think about you, think about this, and. You know, so many of us are, we're living way below our spiritual potential. And the reason family life exists, we exist so that lost people can get saved and that saved people can do something. Saved people can have an avenue to serve. And so many Christians today, they go to church whenever it's convenient. They're not going to serve. They're not going to serve anywhere. They're not going to give anything. But I, I was just thinking about this. this. This man, Brother Francis, uh, he just dedicated his life to serving the Lord. And do you know what God can do with a dedicated life? Like, it's more than you can ever do when you dedicate your life. And I, I saw him sacrifice incredibly to follow God's plan for his life. And the result is today, he's, he's fixing to go to heaven, and he is going to get an incredible reward And one day he will be joined by thousands of other people that came to know Jesus just because he sacrificed. I want to encourage you. There is no spiritual fruit without sacrifice. You know, this church can only, church is made up of people. Family life, we can only be as great as the commitment level of our people. So when I, like when I ask sometimes, Man, please be consistent. Come, give, serve, get involved, join a small group. It's not because I need to have a certain amount of people for me to feel successful, but the more committed people we have at this church, the greater things we can do and the more people we can reach. And everyone that gets saved through this ministry, through our missionaries, through this ministry, you have fruit in that because you gave, you served, you were committed uh, through this church. So anyway, I just, I just thought it's an incredible, he's an incredible example of getting to the end of your life and not having any regrets. But anyway, keep their family in your prayers. It doesn't, 
uh, make it any easier, of course. And uh, right along with that, are you doing okay? Is that okay? Is it okay if I just encourage you? Um, you know, I never, uh, if you come here, I never want to be, beat anyone up or make anyone feel bad. I do want to challenge you to do more, just like I want to challenge myself to do more. Uh, we can become lazy real easily. Isn't it funny that after we're saved, and our soul is not going to go to hell, and we have say, isn't it easy how sometimes we're not as concerned about other people? But those people in the same condition we once were, and they need a, they need a Savior. And so today is Vision Day at Family Life, and I always like to take some time to talk about vision. And they did a survey of church people, uh, all these thousands of church members, and what they found is that the average person that goes to church could not tell you what the vision of the church was. And I thought, well, that's pretty bad, because if your members don't know what you're supposed to do, and they're the ones that are helping you do it, what are you going to do? Not too much. And so I always like to, of course, we have a growth track up there. We have a growth track that's kind of our membership class. And all this stuff is explained. I have people all the time ask me questions about the church. And I'm like, if you would take the growth track, you would know all of that. However, I'm happy to tell you. But the very first thing that Tracy and I did after we felt the Lord calling us to start Family Life, which was 19 years ago, was we spent, we spent six months praying and fasting, and I asked God a simple question. If you want me to go over there and start a church, what do you want the church to look like? Because there's churches all over there. There's 370,000 churches in America, and they all look a little bit different. And it's not right or wrong, but if you're in a rural area, if you're in an urban area, whatever your population is like, I mean, the church should reflect the community. So I asked God, what, what kind of church do you, do you want us to be in? And I asked God, you know, I'm one of these people that I want to get a vision and I just want to run with it the rest of my life. I don't want to change visions every two or three years. You know, how many of y'all do that? How many of you are into fads? You do one fad till it goes out? I th- you know, I tell you, I'll... I'll Going down memory lane. I'm telling you, when I was a teenager, the, the fad of uh, holes in the jeans started. And I'm telling you, that's one clothing style that has just, the, the kids still wear it today. They still wear it today. One of, uh, they do, huh? And, and uh, I, I, asked, I, asked, I asked one of my kids, they came home, they went to go get some new clothes, they came home and all their jeans had holes in them. I'm like, and they told me, there wasn't much choice. All the clothes on the rack, they all had holes in them. I'm like, okay. But that, that's something that's gone a long time. But a lot of times we start something and we don't have the, the commitment to, to follow it through. But vision, it's the roadmap to reach your destination. If you don't have a vision, um, you're going to end up somewhere, but it just may not be where you want to end up. But clear vision is the only thing that will guarantee that you don't have regrets later in life. So it's imperative. It's just so important that we have a vision for our families, uh, for our careers, uh, for our businesses, and of course for, for our, our churches. So, so important. And the Bible has a lot to say about vision. Proverbs 29.18 is one of the most famous ones. It says, this, where there, there is no vision, the people perish. Where, where there's no vision, the people perish. And for a long time I thought where there's no vision, people die. But it's actually a little bit worse than death. Of course, the word vision means, when it says where there is no vision, it means where there are no God-given dreams. If you don't have any God-given dreams, you don't have a vision. Where there is no revelation from God. If you're not having a 
a revelation from God, you're not having vision where there's no word from God. So vision, vision means dreams, revelation, or a direct word from God. That's what, that's what vision means. So vision uh, from God means that we have to have a dream, a vision, a, a dream, a revelation, or a word from Him. And the word perish means to be in confusion, to make no progress, and to live in frustration. And, and so, uh, to me, that, that, that's worse than dying, is when you're living, but you're not getting anywhere. And a number of years, I, I created this, I call it the, the cycle of dysfunction. And it's a circle, and so many people, they, they do the same thing all the way around their life. And it's a cycle of dysfunction. And, but when we have a vision from God, it can get us out of the rut and on the highway to where God wants us to go. That's the power of vision. And I, I want to talk to you real quickly. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about five core values of family life. There's five things. There's five core values that God gave us before we started the church that are still so important today. And, and first of all, the Lord told, told Trace and I that I want, you, I want you to minister to the family. I want you to be a family church. And so, you know, family life every, if you notice what we do, we do we do marriage stuff every year. We do parenting stuff every year. We do financial stuff every year because families struggle with those three things. And, of course, uh, a family, if you look at a family, a family just doesn't have one age group of people. It has, it has kids. It has college students. It has parents. It has grandparents. And so we believe that we're supposed to be a family uh, to, to anyone who doesn't have a family. And so by family church, that doesn't mean you have to have kids to come here, but we want our church to have a family atmosphere, to be welcoming, to get to know people. And so that's the number one thing. And the, the Lord just told me that, man, our world is just witnessing the, the breakdown of the family like never before. And I, I tell you what, politicians can say whatever they want. If you fix the family, you can fix culture. Family, the breakdown of the family, you know, when... When, uh, when, when 50% of the babies born in your country don't have two parents, that's a problem. That's a problem right there. And um, so anyway, we want to be a family church. The second thing is we want to be a multicultural church. And I, I tell the joke, when we started our, the church in our house the first Sunday, there were like 10 white people. And they were really white. They're like me. They were really, really white. And the Lord gave us a vision to, to just to re be representative of our community. And, and God has done that through the years. And, of course, I think we have about 15 nations represented in our church right now. And we, we have just, 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 about, just about everything. I, it's funny. I, always, I try to kind of keep track of what our racial makeup is. And I always ask God a question. Okay, if you have a, a black man and a Hispanic woman and they have kids, where do I put them? You, you know what? So I, what I, I just feel like is from the Holy Spirit. I put if they have two kids, I put one under Hispanic and one under African American. I just we we want to be equal opportunity. But do you know that even in our country, as diverse as our country is, as diverse as our city is, only seven percent of churches in America are, are, are diversified. You go around Sugarland, and what you find seven percent. And what that means, it doesn't mean a diverse church, multicultural doesn't. The definition of multicultural is that your second demographic has to be at least 20%. So if you say, okay, we're 99% white and we have 1% we have Hispanic, that's not multicultural. Multicultural is that your second, like if the number one percent, like we're, we're about 44% white. 
is, is about what we are. And then Hispanic is about 35%. And, um, and African American is about 20%. So that's, that's, you have to have, your second demographic has to have at least 20 people. And then of course, you want to be a spirit-filled church. And we're not embarrassed of the Holy Spirit. We're not embarrassed of being filled with the Spirit. We're not, we, we believe that God gave us the Holy Spirit. If you read the book of Acts, what I find is that you should not do Christianity and you should not do church without the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're not embarrassed about that. We pray for people. We believe that people are going to be healed. We have miracles all the time. We're, we're just not embarrassed about that. We don't, try, we don't try to evict the Holy Spirit from our services or from our lives. And if you hang around here, you're going to hear people praying in the Spirit. And, and we, we endorse that. We're happy about that. And the fourth thing is to, to be a missional church. And by missional, from the very beginning, the first check that was ever written out of a family life checkbook was by me and we wrote it to missions and we have we have supported missionaries all over the world we support local missions and we just believe that that when as God blesses a church it should not be all about the church we should be the church by supporting other people and and uh, we I mean we have built churches all over the world in Honduras and the Ukraine and the Philippines uh, Mexico India we've supported orphanages around the world We've planted churches around the world and, and locally. And we just, we just believe that the, the, the church is on a mission to reach the lost and to save the world and to reach the nations. And, of course, we believe that a church should be, uh, should be a growing church. And here's what I, here's what I believe. It's, it's really interesting, but um, what I learned is after we started the church is that every, even a healthy church loses about 10 to 15% of its membership every year. Because people move. I think last year we had 15 or 20 families get transferred away from here. And so, and so you get new people and you keep growing and you hope, pray that the ones that are here that are leaving, they go and be a blessing to another church or do whatever. But here's the thing. The church, and, and I'm not just talking about numerically, but a church, a church should, be, should, should grow in, I mean, spiritual growth and, and, and numerical growth as well. But think about this. Things that are alive grow. And things that aren't alive, like some of you are not very good with plants. And when somebody gives you a plant, you don't have to worry about trimming it. You don't have to worry about cutting it back. I mean, that thing just goes the way of the earth naturally. I mean, you just, you just have a way of, and, and you, tr you, you can kill it in any way. You can over-fertilize it and kill it. You cannot water it and kill it. And so, then some of you just drown your plants. You know, you soak them so much, just drown those things. But a church should be alive. And how you know a church is alive and growing is if you see miracles, you see people transferring up, you see people going to new levels. And, and uh, that's what we want to be. And so five core values to be a family church, a multicultural church, spirit-filled church, a missional church, and, of course, a growing church. And, and, but we have a very simple vision that we accomplish all this in. And the family life vision, I'm going to talk to you about it today real quickly. And, uh, you'll, you'll understand this real quickly, but in the Bible, God has made some incredible promises to us. And several years ago when I was really studying, I, I, I found that actually um, God in the Bible has outlined a redemptive journey that he wants all of us to take. So in every one of us, the journey is the same. It may go in different places, but God has a four-part redemptive plan for all of our lives 
And I found it first in Exodus, and then between Exodus and Colossians, it's mentioned 12 more times, and it says it in different avenues or texts, but it says the same thing. So I'm going to show you the one uh, from Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. It says this, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his, of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So from this, we get, we get four, four steps of spiritual journey that really all of us are supposed to go through. And if we don't go through all of them, we're missing something that God has, has for us. And I had a Christian tell me one time, he says, well, you know, if I don't get it done here on earth, when I get to heaven, God will change me. Well, th that's true. But if you let God change you now, I think your time on earth would be a little better. You know, you, know, you don't have to go through all of the pain and suffering that you're going through. So step one in the redemptive journey is this, is, is to know God personally. And we call that salvation. God wants everyone to know him in a personal, intimate way. And the, the verse from Ephesians 1 says this, I pray that you may know him better. And the message says personally. That word, the word know there is the word epinosis. And it means, it means to know somebody intimately, personally, more than intellectually. It's the difference between like a, a famous person and one of your friends. Do all of you have a friend? Please tell me you have a friend. Just, just lie to me if you don't have, don't have any friends. Just lie to me, okay? But it, think about it. If you have a friend or a spouse or someone you're really close to, you, like, you know them. Like, I've known Tracy since I was 12 years old. And she will give me the eye before I've taken any action. Because she knows what I'm thinking and she knows what I'm about to do. And I told her, please, can you let me sin before you look me down, you know? She says, no, I'm going to save you from having to repent, you know? It's just the way it is. But think about this. But think about, we, we, like we, know, we think we know a sports figure. We think we know a president. We, we know their personal persona. We don't know them. We don't know what they do behind closed doors. And here's the problem. A lot of people that go to church, they don't know God. Like, when you hear people, well, is the man upstairs? No, he's not the man upstairs. He's the God of the universe who sent his son for you. He sent his son to die for you, and he wants to have a personal rela relationship. We were created to have a personal relationship with, with God, and so he wants us to know him, him personally. And, and so the number one goal of family life, the number one goal is we want to help people get to know the nature and character of God so that you can have an intimate relationship with him. It, when you begin to have an intimate relationship with God, what happens is Sunday morning is not enough. It's just not enough. You're going to be reading your Bible during the week, and as you read the Bible, it, these, it just begins to flow in your spirit. You'll want to pray. You'll want to fast. You'll be happy to give a little bit of your money to him. You'll be happy to serve and give a little bit of your time because you're doing it for God who you have a personal relationship with. If you come to church and it's a duty, you may need to consider whether you really have an intimate, personal, saving relationship. So no, see, the Bible says when we know God, we do things. Sure, there's fruit that we should do, 
but we do it out of relationship, not out of obligation or duty. It's hard to do something out of obligation or duty. But if you read your Bible because you want to get to know God more, you want him to speak to you, if you pray, if you help people because that's what Jesus would do, that's a, that's a whole, different, whole different story. Uh, Hebrews 1 and verse 3 in the message, this is, it talks about Jesus. This son, Jesus, is talking about, perfectly mirrors God and is stamped with God's nature. What it says is God says, I sent my son to show you my character and my nature. What did Jesus do while he was on the earth? What did he do? He was missionally focused on what God asked him to do. He showed great care, concern, and compassion for everyone he met with. It didn't matter if Jesus was talking to an adulterer or a leper. It didn't matter if he was talking uh, to a handicapped person or a tax collector who was the low of lows, to a fisherman, or if he was at a wedding. He acted with great care and concern for people all the time. So here's the thought. God's greatest desire is you. God's greatest desire is you. He created you and I to have a personal relationship with, with him. He didn't create you to do something, although technically he did, but he created you to have a relationship with him first, and then out of that relationship, uh, comes the things that he has for us to do. Jesus, he told a story, a parable in Luke 15, and that's an incredible passage. If you've never read that, you should read it. There's three successive parables about that where something gets lost. There's a parable of a lost sheep, there's a parable of a lost coin, and a parable of a lost son. And in all those stories, something of great value was lost. An all-out search took place to go find it. And then there was rejoicing when the lost item was found. And so here's the thing. Uh, we, when we're going out there to work, when we're at family functions, we're in our neighborhoods, we ought to be on a search for the lost item. There are lost souls all around us. If we would only care enough, if we would care enough to really get involved. You say, well, Terry, that... That could be, there could be some drama in that. Of course. Of course. There, there, there is. But that's where the value, the value is. So step one at Family Life, we just, we just want to help people get to know God personally. Number two is that we want to help people find freedom in their lives. You know, that's why we offer things like uh, different Bible studies and growth tracks and, and Financial Peace University in addiction recovery classes because we want to help people get free from the things that are holding you back. And it says this in Ephesians 1, 17 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. They may become focused and clear. And so the amazing thing is, when we come to Jesus, all of us, when we come to Jesus, it's an incredible thing. He saves us. We feel so much better. We're All of a sudden, we're just you know, we're now in a relationship with him. But there's still a huge problem, and the problem is, is that we have junk in our lives that has accumulated before we met Jesus. And uh, I, I want to be honest with you, some of the junk we have in our lives, we created on our own. Anyone there? Some of the stuff in our lives has caused us problems other people have done to us. But can I, can I say something? 
it really doesn't matter who caused your junk. The only thing that matters is if you're going to let Jesus free you from that. I mean, God sent His Son to, to del- not only forgive us from sin, but deliver us from the consequences of sin. That's incredible. So I talk to people all the time, and maybe they have, they were, they were, I mean, these are terrible things, sexually abused, verbally abused, physically abused, rejected, betrayed. They have addictions, alcohol, drugs, sexual addictions, pornography. I mean, all these things. What I want to say, if you have an addiction, what ha- the reason you have an addiction is because something happened to you, and that became the outlet. And again, I'm not saying it's your fault. Human nature, without Jesus, what we try to fill voids in our lives. When there's a hole, we just want to put something there that makes us feel better. And, and so the, the deal is this, is that Jesus came to, to really just to, to set us free. To set us free. So the second goal of family life is to help people find freedom from the things that have crept into their lives. And here's what I want to say. You can be delivered at any point. It can be in a church service. It can be outside in the parking lot. But here's what I found. Normally, to stay free, normally to, to stay above what's going on, you need friendship and accountability. That, that, that's, you need, I mean, authentic friendships and things like that. That's why we have small groups. And starting next month, we're going to have a number of small groups, ladies' Bible studies, men's Bible studies, FBA, have a bunch of things going on. And the reason we do that is not because we need something on the calendar. <clears throat> the reason we do that is if I, you can, some of you come to church and you don't know anyone in church. Church goes a whole lot better when you come in and say, hey, there's Susie over there. Hey, there's Bob over there, you know. And the second thing is when you're in a small group, you find out, hey, these cats have problems too. Makes you feel a whole lot better about yourself. Man, I, I thought I was in bad shape, but that guy over there, we need to pray for him, you know? And, but, but transparent relationships. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. So we become a new creation, but you, still, you, you may have some stuff in your life that you just need help with. You need someone to walk with you. There's nothing embarrassing about asking someone to help pray for you, help walk with you. I think the embarrassing thing is, is when we have the ability to find freedom, but we choose to remain where we're at. That, that's what I think is really sad. And you're right. You will find freedom when you get to heaven. But what if it was this year? What if, what if it was this year? Wouldn't that be better? I think that would be better. As a matter of fact, if you find freedom in the air, here's the thing. We think that the areas that we're struggling in, we think they're a secret, but actually everyone around you knows. I know, that's an enlightening moment, right? If you allow God to bring freedom into your life, do you know that the people at work, the people in your family, the people in your neighborhood, do you know that they will notice and they will give you an opportunity to really minister to them, to, to share, man, I had some issues in Jesus. Listen, he came in and just, just helped me with that. Step number three is uh, to discover your purpose. It says, I pray that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The greatest day of your life is when you discover your God-given purpose. The reason, uh, I believe the reason 
in the world today that we have millions of people, billions perhaps, just kind of wallowing through life instead of living life is because there's no clear purpose in their life. When you find a purpose for your life, and in the beginning it may just be to follow Jesus and to live a holy life, that's good. That's a good start. But when you have a purpose in life, it changes how you behave and how you act. Ephesians 2.10 says that this is all of us. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In our, in our family life growth track, which we'll have sign-ups for these things next week. If you don't get the weekly email that we send out, if you'll put your email on a slip out there and put it in the wooden box, we'll add you to that. And every, every week we send out a, a weekly email, and there's actually links to sign up for things. It's really, really helpful. We have a growth track here in a couple weeks starting um, in February. And that's the, that's the place you need to go to really, really connect. Um, so to, to know God personally, to find freedom, to discover your purpose, and to step forward is to make a difference. Um, and it says, I pray that you may grasp the immensity of his glorious way of life he has for his followers. <clears throat> so think about this. Uh, God wants you first to become, become saved, become a child of his, uh, to know God personally, to find freedom, to discover your purpose, then make a difference. And Here's the thing about the redemptive uh, life that God has for us that we, that we, can't, we can't deny. Um, they go in order. You can't make a difference before you know God. You can't make a difference before you know your purpose. Uh, you can't make a difference before you allow God to clean you up on, on, the, on the inside a little bit. Think about this. Uh, we're, we're a culture that likes everything past, right? I mean, think about it. I mean, you know, got Amazon Prime, Next Day Delivery, FedEx, whatever, UPS, everything's fast. A Speedo swimsuits. I mean, we want everything fast, right? Fast food, fast food. We want everything. We want everything fast, right? Uh, I use that Speedo at least once every six weeks, and y'all laugh every time. I don't know why. I think y'all have some desire to wear Speedos in here or something anyway. But, but, but think about this. Our culture wants to do things backwards, we want, to do things, we want everything fast. We want a sh shortcut. But think about it. If you want to be a doctor, you can't just say, I'm not going to do my bachelor's degree. I'm going to go right into medical school. I mean, you can try that. Be my guest. Tell me if you get in. <clears throat> think about this. Even if you want to be a master plumber, <clears throat> there's an order you have to do. You know, you have to be become apprentice to somebody. Then you become a journeyman. And then after schooling and on the hands training, you become a master plumber. And the same thing, the same thing with God. I'll tell you a story. When, our, when we, were re, we were redoing our house, and uh, you know how you have those kind of like, if, you, if your house is 15 years old, you have one of those jacuzzi tubs with the things in it. It has a button for jacuzzi. And so we ripped that out, and Tracy wanted a, soak, a soaker tub, a big soaker tub. And so I bought the tub, and, and these people sent me, sent me a plumber, and I asked him, I said, are you a master plumber? He said, I know everything about plumbing. Well, I said, that's not really what I asked you. I said, are you a master plumber? I can do anything a master plumber can do, except I do it for half the price. I, it sounds good to me. So we, he installed the bathtub. Tracy takes her first bath in the soaker tub and everything. When she goes to let the water out, it doesn't go down the drain. 
it's all over the floor. And I come home, and there's like 27 towels everywhere. And uh, she was not very happy, and I was not very happy. And so then I got a master plumber in there, and he, he said, who did this? That's what happens whenever we go out of order. We go in order. Everything works out. We go out of order. It's like God is looking at us saying, what are you doing? What are you trying to do, you know? So let me, let me I'm going to spend just a few minutes talking about, about last year. Um, give me about five minutes. Family life, you know, we did some incredible things last year, and we did it because of you. We were able to do things because of our members. You know, church is an amazing thing in that, you know, we can't hire, there's not enough money to hire people to do everything, so we train our members to do things. And our members are incredible, they're committed, but I, we're always looking for more. But in 2018, the first thing is, you know, uh, the Bible says that, that, that true religion is looking after the widows and the orphans. And so the number one thing is this year, Family Life, we strategically, we helped another, a, um, a number of single mothers in our congregation and in our community that were having trouble financially. We target that and we helped a number. Uh, that's a good thing, is it not? That's a good thing. Um, we also, we adopted, you may know that um, Jonathan and Araceli Martinez started coming about, I think, a year and a half ago. And. And they had been working with an orphanage in Casa de Esperanza. So we adopted a local orphanage this year. And uh, we, we sent people over there to love on them several times. And at this Christmas, we, we adopted some of them for Christmas. We, our, our church adopted 53 kids, which I thought was amazing. If you missed out on that, you have to do it next year. But our people gave so much that they were able to, they were able to take care of 110 kids. That's pretty good, you know. Hey, I, I want to tell you something, too, something that I learned. You know, sometimes we say, well, it's a big church, a small church. I found out that it doesn't matter the size of the church. It matters about the heart of the vision. I know a lot of large churches that their revenue that comes in is quadruple what we do, and we give more to missions than them. So it, it, it's, it, it's about the heart of the ministry and what you want to do. Uh, we, we had things like marriage conferences that help marriages. Uh, had a number of small groups. Uh, one that I'm really, really proud of is we, our FTE, our Financial Teach University, and we'll have it again in February. If you have trouble with finances, please don't be embarrassed. You should take this. Last, last fall, we had about 12 people go through our, our Financial Teach University class. We do it, do it twice a year. And those 13 people in nine weeks... They paid off $90,000 of debt. 90, 90, Ralph is the coordinator, and he texted me that. I'm like, there's a typo. You mean 9,000? 90,000. We have people in our congregation who have paid off $150,000, have paid off businesses, and it's all because they learned to obey what the Bible said about money. So how many know that if you help a family get out of debt, that is a good thing? And we, we've taken about 100 families through this. It's an incredible an incredible thing um, as far as missions go on a global missions feel. So we, we do local and global. You know, obviously we supported our missionaries in Mexico, Honduras, and India. Those are our main three missionaries. And be, because you gave this year, 
uh, every yard church gives about 15% of all the money that comes in. So if you give money, if you don't even give to missions, but you tithe, 10% 10 of that goes goes to missions. And we built new church buildings this year. Uh, We planted new churches in these areas. We fed orphans. We clothed orphans. And we gave gave orphans an education, a spiritual and a natural education. Um, Through our missions giving, thousands of people were saved this year. Thousands. In, in India alone, 3,000 people were saved. In India alone. So, we, you know, we don't have to be there. We're giving money to help them. We, that's, our spiritual, that's our spiritual fruit. Um, if, you, if you weren't around that often, of course, the main ones, we're helping all these, but the main ones are in India because God gave us a 10-year goal to help them become self-sufficient. Pastor Joseph's here. We, we actually now have... Um, 160 Family Life churches in India and Nepal. They changed their name to Family Life, and so we have, we have 35,000 Indians in Family Life Church remote. Amen. It's incredible. But one of the amazing things is, uh, if you've heard me talk about this, is that they wanted to build a buffalo farm, buy a buffalo farm. And the amazing thing is they just have no money, just very, very poor over there. So we had a 10-year goal to do these things to help them buy land. We bought them land to help them buy land to grow food, land to build their orphanages on, their, their church site on, and, um, and uh, their um, Bible college on. And then a buffalo farm, and what it is is they, they raise buffalo, water buffalo, milk them, and sell the milk. Well, we bought them 25, I don't know, I think six years ago. They now have 180. And... We're helping them buy a buffalo farm right now. It was $250,000. So far, we've raised, um, it must be one hundred fifty. dollars yeah, we've, we've, we've given $150,000. And this year, uh, we need to raise $100,000 this year. If you want to give to missions, that's a great goal to do. But by this October, this ministry that has 160 churches, all these orphanages, 300 orphans, Bible colleges, they will be self-sufficient and will not need any money from anywhere else because of what Family Life has done. That's an amazing thing. That is an amazing thing. And uh, that, that's part of our, our spiritual legacy that's going on. And, and then, of course, a number of people got saved in our Sunday services. We had people saved in our small group ministry. And, uh, of course, that's, that's, that's our goal. So I have a series of questions I want to ask you right here as we as we close up. I'm sorry I went a little bit long today, but I was going down bunny, bunny trails earlier for your, for your spiritual health and mine. So, um, so the question I have is this. How many of you know people that haven't started their spiritual journey? You interact with people in your neighborhood, at work, you know, whatever, in family, and they haven't started their spiritual journey. I want to encourage you to pray for their salvation this year. Find a way to get him into a small group, bring him to church, you know, find a way. We exist to help people find that. And the second thing is this, is how can we reach more people? And I'm not going to read it, it'll be on your screen, Matthew chapter 9, 35 to 38. Jesus, he's having one of these uh, intimate moments with his disciples. And he tells them this, he tells them, The harvest is plentiful. There are so many people that don't know me. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
pray. The key is to pray to ask God to send you the workers to reach your communities and reach the people. And so look at this. In, in, in Houston, in Houston proper, or all the way around Houston, Houston extended, 7.1 million people. We don't even have enough. Every church building could be maxed out and have multiple services. There's not enough. There's not, we don't have enough room. But here's the problem. People say, well, Terry, how can family life do more? The only way we can do more is if we have more committed people. I, I, here's an epidemic that I found. It's funny. When we had 50 people, we had 50 people every Sunday, 50 people served, 50 people gave. But I noticed the larger we get, it's almost like the mentality of, well, it doesn't matter if I come on Sunday. It doesn't matter if I serve. It doesn't matter if I give. They have so many people. You know that even right now, now we have hundreds of volunteers. It's one of our strengths. But even right now, by the end of this year, we'll need 50 more volunteers than we have now. We, we, have, we have people, we're trying to find people in our children's ministry, ushers, greeters, parking lot. And so my question is this. You know, maybe you've been coming here and you enjoy it. But, but you really don't have any commitment here. And my question is, would you consider doing something? Would you consider serving God through family life? And I don't ask that for me, but I ask that for the kingdom of God. I mean, if you're coming here and you like it, it maybe this is your year. And again, we'll have a, uh, a membership class, a growth track here in a couple weeks that you could really get involved with. And um, Anyway, that, that's it. Just, just, just one final thought, you know. Um, the band can come on up. We'll take up the missions offering here in just a minute. One final thought. I want to get you to think about this. Church can be as much or as little as you want. Here's what I want to say. I had a, had a friend of mine, and they told me, I'm going to this church, but I'm not getting anything out of it. And I started asking him, I'm like, well, how often do you go? He's like, I don't know, about once every six weeks. I said, I, I, said, can I, I have a thought. Can I tell you a thought? He's like, sure, you're my good friend. I'm like, I don't think the problem is the church. Like, well, how can you know? Because you only go once every six weeks. And, and, and so, listen, this family life, it could, be, it could be as great as you want it to be for you and your family, or it could be as least as you want it to be. I mean, if you come once a month, it'll help you. If you come every week, it'll help you more. If you get involved in a, a small group, get your kids involved in youth, get your college kids involved, the more you do, the more, the more it will be a, a blessing to you. Would you stand? I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray for you, and then actually you can uh, sit down again, and we're going to take up the missions offering if the guys will come up. Of course, this is the one offering we take. Everything you give in this offering goes into our missions account. 